Hello, I am Yogini Sunita and this is Meditation, Yoga and Stuff podcast. I believe my dharma or my life's purpose is to share my understanding of meditation, yoga and Ayurveda, holistic healing science of India. I make these amazing wisdoms accessible and adaptable for present times. So let's start. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Barbara. Barbara, would you like to introduce yourself? Welcome. Thank you for having me, Sunita. My name is Barbara Cortil. I'm a yoga mentor and coach. I live in Sydney, Australia, and um, I've been doing yoga since my late teens, and I'm now in my mid-50s. So I've seen a lot of changes in the yoga world in that time, and it's been very exciting to ride with that wave. Mm. And I'm delighted to be speaking to you again, Sunita. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate that. So Barbara, please share your yoga journey with uh, us uh, listeners and myself. Uh, I'm very curious about your yoga journey. Yeah, so when I was 19, I had a boyfriend who was a yogi and I, was, I wasn't into yoga. My mum had done yoga, but she never spoke about it. So I, I knew nothing about yoga, really. Mm. I was more of an arty kid. You know, I was always into art and I always wanted to be an artist. And um, so I had this boyfriend who was really passionate about yoga. And when I think back about it now, he used to get up really early in the morning and do his headstands. And he remember, I remember he had that light on yoga book, the Iyengar book, and he used to do all the poses from that. And he was also a Buddhist, so he did a lot of meditation. Mm. And so that was his thing, and I had my art thing. And then one day he took me to a class, a yoga class, and uh, I'd like to say that that was a beautiful moment, but it wasn't. It was actually a horrible <laughs> horrible experience <laughs> what was, happened oh uh, uh, it was Iyengar class back then I, I knew nothing about the different types of yogas or whatever I'd never done yoga and I went to this Iyengar class and as you know they always do handstands in Iyengar yoga and this woman who was an older lady I mean probably younger than me now but when I was 19 everyone seemed old <laughs> Anyway, she was very fit. She looked like a, a gym junkie, you know. She had these big muscles and all the rest of it. And uh, she insisted that I had to do this head, a handstand. And I'd never done a handstand. Uh, you know, I just wasn't that kind of kid. And I couldn't do it. And she basically shamed me. She was like, come on, you young thing. You should be, a, you know, that kind of thing. Like what would be considered bullying in these days. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Iyengar tradition does have that reputation. I of course knew nothing at that time but I remember not feeling great about that experience hmm. so uh I never went back to Iyengar yoga for many many years after that I went to Hatha yoga which Hatha yoga back in those days meant we translated it here in the west as a more gentle type of yoga even though that's not what Hatha yoga really is hmm. that's how it was interpreted back in the 80s you went to Hatha yoga if you wanted more gentle kind of practice and so I did that for a long time. But um, yoga was something that I just went to because it felt good, but I wasn't that into it as in I didn't really care why it felt good. I just went and I felt good. That's all. And I think that's true of many of our students. 
Mm. Um, not everyone is, you know, obsessed with yoga like we are. Yes. <laughs> oh, they just go because it feels good and then they get on with their life. And that was me for a very long time. And then when I got to sort of like my mid-30s, my 40s, my mid-40s, I became more interested in yoga. And I think the pivot point for me was when I was, when, when meditation really uh, tapped me on the shoulder because up to that point I could never meditate. So I just did asana practice. And then when we get to shavasana, my mind would race and I would be thinking about all this stuff and I enjoyed that I enjoyed thinking I didn't want to slow down my mind I didn't understand why people even wanted to do that it was completely alien to me and then I had a bit of an epiphany in uh, 20 uh, 2009 after a yoga class I had a samadhi experience I was in a very stressful time of my life lots of stuff was going on I was very angry. I had a lot of voices in my mind, racing around, ruminating and really suffering uh, from my mind. And I just had this experience where I dropped into this space of peace, complete peace and release. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I didn't even try to do. It just came to me as what I think of as a great gift. Mm -hmm. And that's when I finally realized, oh, this is why people meditate. Now I get it. And it was a pivotal moment for me because from that moment onwards I've meditated every single day of my life <laughs> and that's what really motivated me to teach meditation and so before I uh, started teaching asana I actually was teaching meditation purely doing meditation hmm. and I was teaching that in corporate settings hmm. and then it was a few years after that and I thought well I'm doing I'm teaching meditation now so I may as well do asana as well because by that time I was really practicing all the time every day and I was totally into it so it's been a long long journey <laughs> yeah and yeah. Um, and then I I start I was working part-time and teaching part-time and then about five years ago I started teaching full-time right. and so that jump from teaching part-time to teaching full-time is really what I coach my clients about to try and make that transition a little bit smoother and more uh, planned than what I did. <laughs> Beautiful. Let, let me just mute for a second. Sorry, my dog is shouting. Anyway, let's come back to the interview. So um, it's amazing that you've been practicing for many years. And um, I think I also seen lots of uh, these movements uh, because I have been practicing for many years and I started in India and then I started uh, practicing. I've been living in Western world for many years now. So I have seen all the trends of yoga and things like that. And uh, uh, I totally understand what you mean about Iyengar uh, yoga practices. It can be sometimes come as quite hard and strong. And um, But uh, because I learned from uh, Mr. Iyengar himself, he, when I met him, he was very gentle, very, um, he was very kind towards me. So for me, it was very interesting experience when I came out of India and experience 
the strong Iyengar style. I'm like, what's happening here? Anyway, so uh, what's happening now? Uh, do you, what do you mean by you teach full-time? Like, do you teach every day? How does it go? Do you teach online or offline? What's happening at the moment? Because the world has changed completely after the pandemic. So we had to change our lifestyle as well. So how is it working for you? What's happening there? Yeah, it's changed a lot. So before the pandemic, I was teaching a lot more hours and I was running all over the place teaching in real life, which is what I like. And then after the pandemic, I did the whole online thing like everyone else. But then I transitioned into more coaching and mentoring. And I do most of that online, like you and I are talking now, because I'm talking to people about how to set up their business, how to um, create offerings, how to promote, how to do their Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So I'm doing that and mm. I'm teaching a lot less. I'm teaching, I think, probably nine hours mm. and half of that is yin yoga. So I'm not doing all that much I do half hatha, half yin, and then some meditation. Mm. So it's quite well balanced mm. and uh, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, balance for me in terms of my energy. Yeah. And, and that gives me plenty of time to do my own practice, which is the most important thing, of course. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, without our practice, what we will teach, you know, the, it needs to come from our own practice when we start teaching. Uh, we can only teach what we know, basically, you know, so that's my understanding. Uh, so you mentioned about you help people uh, with the business side of yoga. Is that what you're saying? Uh, can you uh, elaborate a little bit about that? Yes. So uh, creating for people that want to move into full time teaching, as in the, there's a lot of people now that want to give up their jobs and they want to be full time teachers, which is great. Mm. But it does take a little bit of planning because, as you know, it's not that easy to make a living from teaching yoga. Yeah. So it takes more time than most people probably realise. Mm. So my work is to try and help people to plan ahead before they completely lose the plot and chuck their job in mm. so that by the time they are ready to go into full-time teaching, which isn't, of course, for everyone, it's perfectly fine to teach part-time. In yeah. fact, teaching part-time and having a part-time job is, for most people, actually wonderful. They yeah. don't have to worry about money so much. They've got you know, two things happening and that's fine. I think the teachers that have a full-time job, a full-on like corporate career and then are trying to teach as well, I think that's that's a big ask hmm. um, because, you know, yoga is, it's not just a job, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. It takes up all of your time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> because not only what you're teaching but also your own practice, as you mentioned before, which is the most important thing, as you said, you don't have anything to teach if you're not practising yourself. Hmm. So, you know, it's not for everyone and full-time teaching is not for everyone. However, there are those people that know in their heart that is what they need to do. Hmm. And I totally get that because I was one of those people. Hmm. So I guess my work is trying to support those people that know that that's what they want to do and do it in a way that's a little bit more planned, a little bit system, uh, more systematic so that by the time they get to the, to the point where they can say, okay, that's it, I'm ready, then they know what they're up for. They know what they need to do. 
Hmm. Hmm. Beautifully said. I totally agree. I mean, when um, I, I was in corporate world as well, and I decided one day that I don't want to do this anymore. And I started <laughs> teaching. My intention was not about the, um, uh, you know, earning through yoga at that time, because um, uh, I was married and, uh, you know, I, I had no financial worries as such. Uh, so the main intention was sharing wisdom of yoga. But then um, uh, there came a point in my life that I had to sustain through teaching yoga. And I really, at that time, the only uh, way we were doing is letter drop box. I remember that, you know, there was no social media <laughs> and things like yeah. that. So we used to do like letter drop box and also, you know, in the newspaper, uh, you, you give your uh, information ad pamphlets, things like that. But then the social media came and uh, it, it is sometimes a little bit difficult for people to wrap their head around social media because it can be vicious. And, uh, but it has uh, two sides. I, I truly believe that there are two sides to social media. And uh, as a yoga teacher, I never thought that I will be so much active on social media because uh, I had to choose like, there are so many uh, options available in social media. So I had to choose what is right for me, where my clients are. Would you like to talk a little bit about that, like the social media side of it and how the marketing and all that works nowadays? Yeah, sure. So what you said about choosing the right platform is really important. Some people try to do everything and that uh, that's a sure way to burn out. Hmm. Um, so if, finding the right medium for you will depend on who your community is. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I teach in my courses or when I work with people one-on-one -on -one is figure out who your community is. Mm -hmm. And that's really important and it's the most important thing. You want to find out who your people are and then you want to grow that community and nurture that community. And mm -hmm. so where you choose to show yourself will depend on who your community are. It's not really about you and what you like. <laughs> it's, about, it's about where they hang out. Yeah. So yeah. where you choose to go will completely depend on your clients or your community. Hmm. Uh, and then you stick. I think it's better to stick to one medium Yeah. and yeah. focus there. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, if you try to do too many things and you're not serving anyone and you'll burn out. Yeah. And also if you just stick to one medium, then you can really master it. You know, it's like uh, mastering a particular uh, yoga practice or meditation. Yeah. Like you don't do a little bit of meditation and then forget about it for a month and then go back. You know, you just do that every day yeah. if you want to master it. So it's the same. I mean, I approach social media as a creative uh, outlet, because that's the only way that I can do it without getting resentful. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> so you need to know yourself and what motivates you because it's very easy to really dislike social media. Mm. That's what I find it um, very interesting uh, from coming from the like yoga world, I as I call it where it's uh, putting ourselves out there, there is a lot of that, uh, uh, what we can say friction uh, in the mind that should I do this? Or is this what I want to do? Um, you know, and uh, 
so how do you approach that mentality where um, we need to earn through the uh, through you know offering yoga sessions or meditation sessions but at the same time there is that tussle or that uh, that fight going in the mind about like should i earn through yoga like oh, how do you approach to that mentality because i have seen a lot of yogi find it very difficult uh, and they will try and offer free classes and they will try and offer, you know, uh, not charge for their classes. And then and they end up basically not having any clients turning up or there is no seriousness in their classes. So do you, uh, have you come across uh, in your life uh, or uh, in your client's life, like, would you like to share a little bit about that? Yes, that's very common. Um, I think yoga teachers by nature are very generous and they want to, you know, they're loving people hmm. and they want to help everyone and they don't think it's fair that uh, yoga should only be available to people that can afford it. Hmm. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that it's very expensive to do yoga training and it takes up a lot of your time and your dedication and your passion. Yeah. And uh, why shouldn't you get paid? I mean, it's not like you go and get a massage and expect to get that for free. Yeah. Right. Uh, you're offering a service that's helping people. But yeah. uh, I, t I totally understand. The thing is, you can do both. You, mm. can, you can have a business and sustain yourself while you're helping people. Remember, at the end of the day, you're helping people. Remember yeah. how, what yoga has done for you. Mm. And, you can, and you can also offer, you know, scholarships, for example, for um, I like to offer scholarships to Indigenous people, for example, things like that. So you can do both. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I uh, was one of the people like this, initially thinking that, you know, should I charge? I did offer uh, classes by donation and things like that. Um, but then I had to... Uh, in one of my meditation, I actually... Uh, uh, goddess Lakshmi came into my meditation and she is the goddess of prosperity and it's her energy which I was denying and so I had to let go of that basically that was my ego which was hanging on to this concept that you know I need to offer it for free uh, we are not living in Himalayas we had to pay bills we had to rent place to offer classes the rents are not cheap in um, busy cities so there are a lot of uh, monetary uh, energy goes there. So we need to have that exchange as well. So because of this, it's very important to um, understand that uh, value of your time. How do you value your time? That is also important. And as you said that we do very expensive teacher trainings as well. They are not cheap. Like, you know, there are a lot of uh, session, uh, things we learn. So think, looking at all this, and if it is your way of living, then there is no harm charging for what you offer. And I also see that sometimes yoga teacher uh, paid sometimes $40, $60 minimum, which breaks my heart because, you know, um, for one hour, they are offering their 100%. They're preparing for it, driving there, teaching so it goes like three hours time in that one hour class and and uh, the outcome is sixty dollars which is really uh, really sad 
and uh, I feel that that's why it's important to have a little bit business training and uh, have that understanding like how to market yourself, have understanding like, you know, what to do uh, for your business. Because if this is your going to be your income, then you have to put on that business person's hat. What are your thoughts about this? Yes, totally. But going back to the last point, there's one more thing that I wanted to say that when you are offering things for free, you are also hurting the rest of the people in that industry. Yes. Because if you're educating the public to think that yoga should be free. So that's another thing to consider that uh, if you think about ahimsa and non-violence and non-harming and having compassion, have compassion also for your fellow teachers. Yes, very well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, even though I'm sure that no one sets out to do that, it's uh, one of the repercussions, unfortunately. Hmm. And so what you were saying about uh, teaching for $50, $60, which in Sydney is not a lot of money because it's a very expensive city, might be different to other people listening in, in other cities. So by comparison, it's a very little money when you think about the money to get there and so forth. However, if you're a new teacher, it's really good training to go and teach in studios and sort of do that legwork because mm -hmm. it'll give you the more teaching that you can do, the better. Of course, if you've been teaching a long time, then it's, a, it's not a good proposition in terms of um, sustaining a career. If you're doing it just part-time, that's fine. Maybe mm -hmm. you're teaching a few classes on the weekend and that you might get a lot of joy from that. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing this as a full-time career, then that's that's not going to, to work. So mm -hmm. you need to really set up your own studio yeah. online, uh, online or uh, have a home studio. And, I mean, having a commercial studio these days doesn't seem to be a, a good proposition. People are tending to marry it up with other things, like marry it up with a gym or with Pilates. There's a lot of Pilates slash yoga in Sydney in particular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or uh, yoga integrating into gyms because people have found that, uh, you know, yoga yoga studios, boutique yoga studios, are, I mean, they're my favourite places. I'm sad to see them close, but they're, yeah. they're quite exclusive. You know, it's ex they're expensive to run, therefore they're expensive for people to go to. So it's high end. It's not available to everyone, and that's always been the issue with that model. So I'm sad to see them go, hmm. but unfortunately it's it's become i mean i don't know maybe with so many studios closing now there might be space for for them again because there were too many so yeah. that's you know owning a yoga studio is a, a completely other kettle of fish as well yeah but you can but now since the pandemic of course everyone's online and that means that that's quite crowded as, as well so yeah. Yeah. you need to be really smart about how you uh, promote yourself, uh, mm -hmm. even though you might hate that word, because you need to sort of stand out. And the best way to stand out is to find a particular community that you can serve mm. better, than, better than anyone else. So choose yeah. people that you know well or a particular community that you know really well um, so that those people will know who you are and will recommend you. So you want to get that word of mouth thing happening. Hmm. like oh Sunita is the one that does the goddess stuff if you're into goddess and sadhana go to Sunita you know like you want to hmm. really continue to educate people into what your little specialization is and that's really yeah. important in the online space hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's really, uh, uh, I totally understand that. What if people have more than one niche, we can call it like, you know, uh, what if people have more um, offerings than one? So how do you help them to uh, promote or put it out there? Uh, for example, people may have, uh, let me give example, people may have like, uh, say, asana classes, meditation classes, and then in that also they have maybe flow, movement, strong classes, maybe gentle classes, so many varieties there. So how do they put that out there? Uh, what can they do to say, for example, if they are created a course for a yin classes and uh, or restorative classes, and they're promoting that, but they also have something else on at that time, how, how do they manage or should they do just one thing at a time? What are your thoughts about that? Okay, so the first thing is that offerings are different to uh, your niche. Your yeah. niche is the thing that doesn't change. It's your people. So, yeah. for example, you might serve hairdressers. I always use hairdressers as an example because they're people that have a lot of um, issues with their upper body and they're people that breathe in toxins, blah, blah, blah. So let's say you were a hairdresser and you decided to become a yoga teacher, and a lot of them are, then you could just focus on hairdressers as being your people. Right. But you can offer as many things as you want to those people. It doesn't matter what you're offering, whether you're doing yin or whether you're doing meditation or whether you're doing mantra, or all those things, you can have as many of those as you want. So if you think of the goddesses with all their arms and all their tools, Right. Yeah. That's your that's your tool as a yoga teacher. You've got all these tools. And because we love studying and we love learning new things, we get more and more tools and we want to share them with our people. That's fine. You can have as many tools as you want, mm. as long as you're serving your particular people. They'll love it because you're giving them new things. Okay. Right. And that will sustain them over time. So don't worry about what you're teaching. It's yoga and, the, and yoga has so many branches. Yeah. Yeah. But worry more about um, growing and nurturing your particular audience because that's how you're going to be known for those people. That's mm. how they'll know who to go to. So mm. don't worry about all the tools. That's great. Go for it. Yeah, very well said. I really like that approach um, because I, I do uh, offer a lot of things. Like, for example, I offer... Um, the goddess meditations I offer, uh, Ayurveda, I offer, you know, um, meditation teacher training, Ayurveda certification and things like that. So there are so many things I can offer and I love to create content. So there is no lack of content. My issue is uh, having like a, a pacing around it, like, you know, so that it's not too much bombarded because I also see that sometimes that um, hustle marketing is done, which um, where the people are literally bombarded with a lot of, uh, you know, take buy this, buy this, buy. And that really shakes me to the core. Like I cannot uh, go in that kind of like uh, marketing strategy. And so I had to kind of like work with how do I, uh, balance that, uh, you know, yoga's ahinsa at the same time, uh, uh, balancing the business side of it and, and how to do that. And I learned it on the go, basically, you know, <laughs> uh, but do you have any words of wisdom uh, for the people going through what I went through, uh, you know, 
like how not to bombard the client, be gentle with them, but at the same time, you have to sell stuff, you know, you have to uh, uh, offer, uh, make sure that your courses uh, got, got sold, things like that. So what yeah. are your thoughts on that? So I like to work with the seasons. Um, you don't want to be always promoting. You don't want to be always creating. You don't want to always be doing the one thing. You go through cycles. Yeah. Right. So first you'll be, so say you're on social media, you've planned, say you've got a yoga teacher training coming up in a few months. Hmm. So first you're warming up on social media, you might be doing some education around that. And that could just be what you're doing for a month. Hmm. And then the next thing you'll be doing is creating your course. And yeah. then the next thing you'll be doing is promoting your course. So you go through cycles because if you're promoting all the time, oh, my gosh, you, you'll give up. Like no one wants to do that. Yeah, yeah. And no one wants to hear that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So you've got to really balance it out. That That's what nurturing your community is all about. You're giving them information you're educating them and then hey I've got this thing on mm. and then you'll be doing that for a while and mm. then you go back to that cycle so that you're not always and for your own peace of mind and your own soul you don't want to always be doing that just like you don't want to always be like uh, teaching full-on all the time or you wouldn't want to be doing teacher training like 365 days a year can you imagine Oh, you know, no. <laughs> that as, be much, much. <laughs> as much as you love it, right? So you need to really, uh, and that will depend on the person. That's why working one-on-one -on -one is really important because people have different motivations, different mm. energy, different responsibilities, mm. right? So some people have big families and other things that they need to do. So you need to really plan around that so that it's not going to, the most important thing is not to burn out because that's really, really common with yoga teachers, as you know. Yeah. And the problem with burnout is once, if you go down that path, it's really hard to get out and it takes a long time. Oh, yeah. So don't overwork, don't overdo it. Listen to your body. And this is why your personal practice again and again will yeah. listen to your inner guru always listen to that inner voice and don't ever feel pressured to do something that's not going to serve you very true i totally agree with you i mean i always talk about the self-care it's very important that if you need rest you need rest and if you need strong class you know you need strong class like acknowledge that as well um, understanding that you know strong practice or gentle practice depending on where you are in what um, time of life you are in you know the practice needs to change you cannot hang on to like it's basically ego tells us that you know I need to hang on to this strong practice because I used to do it that's not true truth is how you are feeling now in this now how you're feeling I always talk about that I also do these mentoring sessions and these mentoring sessions are based into yoga and Ayurveda. And uh, in these mentoring session, I talk to them about, um, you know, how to basically have your own practices. You can, you need to have your own practices to help others. So otherwise burnout is very, very, very easy. And uh, so having, um, as just like you were saying earlier, that having your own practices is extremely important. So may I ask, what are your regular practices nowadays? How do you, what do you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, 
I wake up very early about five, mm. but I stay in bed and I do some yin yoga in bed. Okay. And it's absolute, it's my absolute favorite thing to do. Mm. Then when I'm out of bed, I can get on my mats and do a bit of asana. But mm. I just do it with, I don't time it. I go with how I'm feeling on that day. I do a lot of breathing, pranayama, chanting. Mm. I mm. sort of go with how I feel. I don't make it a chore. I mm. do it because I love it. And mm. once I've done it, I feel great and I'm ready for the day. Beautiful. Very well. Yeah. I love and, practices as well. <laughs> yeah. And then during the day, I'll, I'll try and always do a walk. And when I'm on my walk, I'll do it. I like to meditate outdoors. Mm. So on my walk, I'll incorporate a little meditation outdoors. Mm. So that's if I can do that every day, I'm, I'm a happy chappy. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I totally understand. I love nature walk. I luckily live near a river and it's really beautiful to walk there, you know. Um, and, and connecting with nature is absolutely profound. I think everyone should do that if there is opportunity to do that, you know because we're living in busy cities here in Sydney, you know, life is busy. So going in the nature is really good. Having morning practices is absolutely fantastic. And if people cannot do morning practices, they can do at least something in the evening, like legs up the wall is fantastic. You know, just even that is quite nice. Um, something like that is really valuable to, I think, center and calm our system down. Um, Anything, any word of wisdom uh, before we close our interview? Anything you want to share? I think just keep practicing, enjoy your own practice, listen to your inner wisdom mm. and try not to get too distracted by the noise around you. Mm. It's very easy to jump on every trend and to get demoralized by that. Hmm. So if you always come back to yourself, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Beautiful. And where my listeners can find you, um, can you tell us, uh, I will put your information about your Instagram, your website, um, uh, where else they can follow you? Uh, do you do just the Instagram and uh, a website or anything else? I mainly do Instagram. Yeah, uh, because my my community are yoga teachers. That's who I work with, and mm. that's where yoga teachers hang out. Mm. So Barbara Cortil Yoga okay. uh, on Instagram is where you can find me, and also on my website. And you can have a look at uh, my short course there called "Create a Successful Yoga Career." That's just a very short course for anyone who wants to be a full time yoga professional. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'll put those in our show notes uh, so that people can click on that and reach out to you. Uh, they can, I think uh, if they are uh, using the medium Instagram, they can uh, DM you or private message you. I think that will work as well. So if people are interested, you can contact through that or contact Barbara through her website. If you are interested in uh, using yoga as your career. She is amazing. Uh, I love her videos. She puts on, Barbara, you put on your Instagram account. They are quite uh, helpful. They're quite nice. Uh, I really look forward to them. 
Uh, and I appreciate the way you are using Instagram. It's really beautiful. Um, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate that. And uh, bye for now. Thanks, Sunita. It's been really nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate that, that you're taking this time out of your day. Don't forget to subscribe. Take care. Bye for now.